Good morning, ladies. Well, good morning, morning Gwen and Kate. <laughs> I well, had to capture the moment of a authentic morning <laughs> with the instigating women. <laughs> it hasn't been 20 minutes yet. So, you know, I was like, oh gosh, for it to really do its magic, I can't short shortcut it. <laughs> exactly. You follow those instructions very well. We all know I'm such a rule follower. I know. I'm shocked. <laughs> all right. It was. They definitely look pricey. The gold. <laughs> it's real. You know, it's real gold. <laughs> oh, and look at that magic. Do I look like I slept for eight hours now? Yes. That's what it promises. A smooth glow. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Awesome. Well, today we were going to talk about big transitions and some of the stems from coaching, some of the stems from questions I'm getting when I do any sort of speaking engagement. And a big question recently has been, how did you ever find the courage to go from corporate to start your own business? And I've just been reflecting that it's almost like the same question. If I'm in a really bad personal relationship, how do I find the courage to shift from that relationship to something else and people feeling that they're just stuck and and don't have options so it just really started to gnaw on me a little bit um wow people are feeling stuck in very unhealthy relationships whether they're personal and professional so you know i've had my transition but kate and liz you have too so, so what, what are your thoughts up, i'd like to offer up um coming from a, a marriage that was abusive and leaving that and sharing that story this was years and years ago, but sharing that story with people, how did you find the courage to leave? Like just that, that how did you do it? And and I had a very strong um, sense of I create my own life at that point in time. And I still do, but the, um, it didn't take very much for me to leave, but I think that's not the norm. I think that people tend to stay in relationships, whether they be worker or personal, um, because they're afraid of what's on the other side. I know that this, you know, that we, we have that saying, like the grass is always greener on the other sides for, for people who are making that jump to go to the green grass. Yeah. But I think there's, um, there is also that burden of hand, you know, mm -hmm. of like, well, if I, if I leave this relationship, then I'll never have another one. And so this bad relationship is, is, um, is, is, is at least a relationship right? At least I'm in a relationship. At least I'm comfortable. At least I have this house. At least I have, you know, my kid has two parents. Um, I'm not in a broken home. Um, and I, I, there's, there's a lot to that, right? I think women definitely put the pressure or the pressure is put on. And I think there's a parallel that happens in work as in personal life. Like you were describing feeling like, oh, but at least I have a relationship if you're in a bad one, same with if you're in a bad job where you don't feel valued, you don't feel treated well, there's this risk of starting to buy that hype, 
and like buy that narrative. And then that makes it even harder to find the courage to leave it, right? Because it's like our self-esteem begins to get chipped away at. And to that, right, the, the my mother had a, a very frightening phrase. Um, I noticed that she was, she was being treated poorly by her boyfriend, yelling at her and that sort of thing. Um, and I was uh, probably 18 um, at the time. And I was like, mom, he's, he's not treating well. He's abusive. And she looked at me and she said, Katie, that's what I went by. Katie, we, we all accepted the, accept the abuses we're willing to take. And as I apply that to the professional world, like we accept abuses that we're willing to take because we don't imagine a world where that abuse doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Staying in that relationship. And I found the quote, you remain in a relationship that provides no hope of improving, which is a way of saying that you can't have the love that you are capable of. Mm. You know, it's a way of just saying that you, you don't deserve it. Mm. So you don't deserve to be treated better. Mm. Mm. And I see it at all levels. In fact, the higher the level when someone does have the ability to question whether they want to stay, I find that the family, the friends all start the chatter. What are you talking about? You've got a great life. You've got a great job. You've worked for how many years to get there? You're at the mm -hmm. pinnacle. Uh, yeah. They're not walking shoes. <laughs> yeah. They're not experiencing what you're experiencing. Mm -mm. That reminds me of one of the things that I think is like strategy number one, you know, if we're, we're trying to offer some strategies for managing, navigating those big transitions, whether it be personal or professional, I think the very first one is to find resources um, that don't have an investment in an outcome. What, what do I mean by that? So six years ago, I decided to make a huge transition and zero people <laughs> were in favor of this transition. Um, and the transition was to be go part-time, step away from the executive role that I was inhabiting at the time, being 60 hours away from the house each week. Um, because I felt like for me, if I was 75 looking back, I would feel like I missed out. And that that's a privileged position to be in. I want to just acknowledge that. That's a, to be able to make that, to say, I, I, I'd like to not work as much. My husband was not in favor of this. Our, the, our financial advisor was not in favor of this. Mm -hmm. My children said, what does this mean? Are we still going to get Christmas presents if you're not, you know, mm -hmm. everyone at work was like, what are you doing? Like Gwen was saying the chatter. I had the chatter from every vantage point. And it really made me question whether that was the right decision. Um, because we, you know, we're also feel, we feel responsible for making sure that everyone's okay before we're okay. Mm -hmm. But finding 
of voice or voices that only were invested in the outcome of I have one life and to the degree that I have choice and autonomy, how do I want to spend that one life? That was the key. That was the key for me to find that, to, to navigate my way, right? Because there's lots of obstacles. Mm -hmm. There are, there are. So what kind of sources are those, Liz, that you've seen successful individuals use? Well, for me, it was a life coach. That's who it was. And, and, you know, she, she was kind of a hybrid cause she was trained as a counselor okay. um, and then had transitioned into doing some life coaching. And so she, I went to her every week for three months and she would just ask me those neutral questions that both neutralized or kind of took the temperature down on the the narratives that I was hearing from the people who were invested in me staying and also helped me question my own narratives so that I was actually looking at things as as objectively as we can mm -hmm. and then at the end of the day Kate you talked about the grass right and figuring out is the grass greener do I need to keep the bird in the hand or what right like trying to evaluate said other grass mm -hmm. as much as you can and then after that it's kind of you know it's a leap mm -hmm. right and I, I think ultimately nobody six years later no one is standing in front of me saying thanks for doing that mom gosh we're so happy my husband's definitely not saying hey i'm so glad that i get to work three extra years so that we get to the place that we want to get to to retire like that's the other thing is you can't whatever choices we ultimately make we can't expect that anyone's going to sign up to thank or congratulate us <laughs> and yet how are you feeling about it i go back to that other the second strategy that that i kind of touched on which is fast forward fast forward to when you're 75 or even 20 years there's lots of different exercises out there right but i still when i fast forward to me at 75 looking back I, I'm still cool with my choice, even though it's uncomfortable. And I think that's the other sort of reality check we have to have is that you're not ever, but very rarely in life, will you make a choice and then say, okay, I got the courage to make the choice. Now I'm comfortable. Mm -hmm. Don't ex but we can't expect that we're going to figure out, we're going to divine the exact right choice for ourselves as we transition in or out of a relationship or a job. And then we're going to, boom, cross the finish line and re reach comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's important. You know, we're not crossing the finish line and getting a medal at any point in time. We're not taking a test and getting graded and getting feedback at any point in time. If this is life. Right. You don't check the box and you get to be happy. Right. You've, you've started your own business. You're working less and, and you're happier. That's not how it works. Um, for me, 
I had a lot of support because I was um, not showing up the way that I could mm -hmm. with everybody. Um, so, and I did it kind of slowly. Like I went to four days a week, an 80% schedule, no impact anybody else's financials. So it wasn't about them. Um, but I was a better person for the four other days that I was spending at work. And to be quite frank, it was an 80% well, is an 80% schedule, but it's 40 hours within those four days. But the mind share that I'm spending on coaching leads me into the weekend in a much different attitude. And it helps me show up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with a much different attitude. And so that trade-off is worth it for my husband, is worth it for the kids, because mm -hmm. it's worth it, for, worth it for my employees because of that, right? The, the way that I show up is better. Question, how do you evaluate that? Like you talked about, I wasn't showing up the way that I could. And so you made a shift. And now it feels like it's it was the right thing. What do you do? What are your rituals or feedback mechanisms to do take that like uh, environmental survey, if you will? Um, so kids are a really good feedback mechanism. <laughs> they give that feedback, you know, you know. And and when I'm stressed, it shows up. They're like, "Why are you so angry?" Right? You know, my kids are 24 and 26, so I get a lot of feedback. Um, it also is is how how likely am I to be able to engage with them during the week? Like, do I feel like I have time? To pick up a phone call, right? When a 24 hour calls you, it's a pretty big deal, right? That, that's not something that you get every week. So like when they call you, can I pick it up? Um, do I find that I can parse out the mind share for that? Um, the other thing is right after I took my coaching certification or during it, right? And I was thinking about like the impacts I was running with my husband. And I remember this distinctly. I was like, I feel like this process has changed me quite a bit do you feel that? And he was like, oh yeah. Like, I don't want to say that you're less judgmental, but you're a lot less judgmental. Since <laughs> you so asked. Have... <laughs> um, but more open-minded, more um, less judgmental, more able to, to let things be and not have to like you know, manipulate them into to being different. Um, spending a lot of energy on, on control. I was, a, I was big into control, really tight hands around everything. Um, so there was a lot of feedback and then observing myself too. I don't, I don't have any good rituals, Liz, or like journaling or whatnot. I kind of use those things as, 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 as needed. If I have a headache, I take an aspirin. If I have anxiety, I journal, <laughs> but, um, but the, I could also see that shift in, you know, my employees and how they, felt about my and I check in with them you know how do you think this is going wow. mm -hmm. what if they were like it sucks <laughs> we want you back on Friday you're <laughs> no. yeah you're being okay. selfish Kate to get the four-day week thing I feel that now from my manager because the um we're headcount constrained and I I don't know if I'm telling that story for her, probably am quite frankly, but I do feel like, oh, this would be better if I, it would be better for the company if I were five days a week. 
and it's it's really been a struggle as of late to be like it might be better for the company but I'm already feeling the stress of the workload affect how I'm showing up and I'm trying desperately to to not make that happen mm -hmm. so prioritization is key in this space we didn't have a pretty high grade level person um be backfilled so like i could do my job and her job that doesn't seem that doesn't seem fair um and i'm i suppose showing up another day at work um maybe but there's mm -hmm. a lot of studies out there that actually say the four-day work week is much more productive than the five-day work mm -hmm. so i would argue you know if you want if you want the grumpy um mean <laughs> angry kate back five days a week <laughs> it's interesting that i find this a lot with people that i work with and within my own narratives like we're so much more likely to be uh courageous in setting boundaries that work for us if we can find a narrative that says it's also good for the other right like you said i think it's good for the company and 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 yet it's a company right it's a big company like why did you know why do you why are you in charge of making sure the company is okay or that company is healthy you know but we all do that you know i i have company headcount right when the when the company didn't invest in 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 the right so i'm i'm struggling with making that balance of like I want everything to be perfect and go really well. And I want to deliver the exact same things that we would have delivered without this person here. But 40 to 50 hours a week is a lot for someone else to pick up. It's a lot for a group of six to pick up, right? It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we've touched on two other things that I think are like the, the strategies for navigating big transitions and one is soliciting feedback right both from yourself and then from those around you about how how they are being impacted by the transition um and then the other one is i would say a willingness to be unpopular and because again we're so driven to seek and achieve approval mm -hmm. but if we really are going to try to make a transition that is the right we believe the right thing for us um that we we have to be willing to be unpopular with some some uh some of our constituents um and the other thing that you just made a ripple in my brain about is this idea of control and that is so often whether you picked the transition or the transition picked you came up and just like ripped, ripped the carpet right out from under you that this idea of control right because we we feel the most comfortable as human animals when we have a sense of control but in order to make transitions successfully we have to somehow let go of that a little bit we have to hold the the idea the illusion that we can control things a little bit more lightly. And so that another really important, I think, coping strategy is to, whether it's through journaling or talking with somebody, figure out what are the things that I can actually control. 
what are the things that are truly controllable in this situation versus the 99 other things that I only think I can control, but I actually have no control of? And, and then trying to direct our energy as much as possible away from the things that we have no control over and toward the things that we can actually impact, mm-hmm. which I struggle with. I, that is definitely me saying something that I really struggle to do, especially because I have teenagers and they do not want to be controlled and I keep trying. Yeah. I, I, I'll pick up there a little bit. It, it almost feels like sometimes we we're martyrs and we have to question, I mean, who said we had to work 60, 80 hours a week? Who said we had to bring home this kind of income? Who said we're going to go bankrupt? if that income stream goes away or or shifts a little bit and who who said i had to sit here in this role forever and ever and ever mm-hmm. you know did i did i really is this really an arranged marriage that i've accepted and it meant i've i'm in it forever i mean i mean really what is all this stuff that that we tell ourselves and it's all about feeling important and feeling like we have some control Ugh. Um, and then, you know, for me personally, um, I think to connect the professional and personal stuff, I, I tried to sort it through almost like a business plan. You know, if, if this isn't a new business, if this is a new future, um, this is the environmental scan I see, you know, what are the risks? What are the benefits? What's the investment I need to make? How many years do I need to understand we'll be making an investment in something before it has a return? And and I didn't put it down on paper. Um, I didn't make it that formal, but those are the kind of conversations that Mike and I had. Um, and, and what are the scenarios? You know, this is plan A, but if plan A doesn't work so well, what's plan B, what's plan C? And that all gets back into um do we have to live in this house forever no do we have to have all this stuff forever no are we willing to move do a whole lot with a whole lot less in the future yes and and so to have those kinds of uh, uh, literal agreements whether on paper or just in conversation up front i found helped me out i mean we have timelines for this and that and the other that we've agreed to and when, when even I get, you know, the white knuckles, holy crap, what did I do? He's the one that can go, listen, you know, we said you've got another nine months or another year or another 30 days or whatever. It's going to be okay. So that is a tremendous help. And I, again, I'm privileged. I recognize not everyone has a partner like that, but these really are very similar circumstances, whether it's professionally or personally, and trying not to let a bad personal relationship kind of feeling uh, take over professionally and assume you've made a life commitment to an organization is important, but taking professional business planning techniques and and, and using that, um, whether it's personal or professional, I think can be beneficial. Yeah, and, and yeah, it- noting that many people many people do not have the partner that can help with the perspective and help shore up right whatever resources are needed to make a to take a risk um but i think even what you talked about in terms of having 
plan A, plan B, and plan C, and knowing what your timeframes are, those, those strategies apply to everybody in life, right? And it takes the temperature down a little bit because you now have really clear glasses on about how long you're going to give yourself to take that risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. In looking at plan A, plan B, plan C, almost have it as if it's somebody else's plan. Take yourself out of it a little bit, put it on a post-it note, if not a you know formal paper and be like, if I were someone else looking at these scenarios or this situation, what would I recommend? We love to give advice. So we need to give advice to ourselves sometimes. Yeah. I know we're going to touch on your your questions of who said, um, because I think that's an important one, right? Who said we had to do X, Y, and Z? Who said we couldn't leave the company? Um, who said we could be brave and courageous and and do and you know and start our own our own gig? Um a hundred percent of the time, in my case, it was me. It was me who put myself on that trajectory. It was me who said yes to every single piece of work that came my way. It was me who, when my boss came to me and said, you're the only one who can do this. And I did that on top of my other job and felt the stress and felt the pressure and felt, you know, had the health implications of all of that. It was me because I wanted to feel like I was important, that it couldn't happen without me. Um, there's so much ego like wrapped up into that. And, and then the implications of if I do this, then I'll be rewarded with promotion, more money, blah, 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 blah. Um, yes, but mostly with the fact that I was getting validation from I was the only one. I work so hard. But the tragic part of that comes when it doesn't work out so well and you have nothing when because it is a company and it doesn't love you back when you're chosen to transition out or when you know the business group you work for is no longer a portion of the company or you know that job role that you have wasn't quite as important the next year mm -hmm. right or, so or because you got grumpy and too direct and weren't listening and suddenly you go from the superstar to <laughs> we have some concerns yeah, exactly. No kidding. I'm overworked. I'm overstressed. I'm frustrated. I'm not seeing my family. Yeah. So I think, you know, how do you find the courage? You first start with the idea of, is this the life that I want to lead or is there something else? And the longer I would posit, I would posit that the longer that we're in a situation, the more we don't have the context of what it can be like elsewhere. And it doesn't mean that that company is, is bad at all. It just means it's not a good fit for what you need at this portion in your life. It could have been you know, good for you in the past, but now it's not working out. Now it requires a different you and a different them. Mm-hmm. Organizations and, change their organisms are just made up of all kinds of people with all kinds of dynamics. So yeah, we might fit really well at one point and then not fit a little while later. I just went through this and I, and I, I know we're running out of time, but I just went through this process of being all important 
for a period of time and being told like, you're the only one that can do this. We need you to step up and thank you. And here's a bottle of wine to thank you for this. Right. And I did it. I stepped up. And then three months later, I wasn't needed anymore. And not only was I not needed, but ask was and back a little bit more work. And so I went and I said, yes, because I wanted to do more coaching, but I had to go through this process and there's all, there's two ways. There's the G rated way to say it. And the PG 13 way to say it, the G rated way is releasing my cares. (laughs) And the PG 13 has a word that starts with F. But re, it's it's a process of releasing all those things you talked about, Kate, that like sense of all importance, that sense of responsibility for outcomes and to be the like hero that comes in and rescues people. Um, and it's a pro- like it's a process. But if you don't go through it, then you end up feeling really bitter, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I've seen so many people, I mean, gosh, being in HR for 25 years, I've seen a lot of people be on the other end of that. We've decided to divest of this team and we're going to put our resources over here and right. Like, and just like that, people are having to find a new job or doing a job in the same organization. That's not what they signed up to. So, Mm -hmm. um, releasing your cares is a real important strategy. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. You, the three of us talked um, a few months ago about some words that are, are becoming a model about these types of transitions for, for loud minds and believe, imagine, relax, and hope were the four words. And you all were kind of like, I'm not sure about relax. The new word I'm starting to use is release. You can't add more. You can't move forward when you're heavy, you're burdened and and you're all armored up, whether it's in martyrdom or ego, or just, you know, you're trying to protect yourself. You, You just, that's when you're stuck. So in order to move forward, I've just realized me too. I, I just have to release, release assumptions, release the ego, release the need to be needed. Uh, the need to be loved by a company, um, and and really start to understand what who am I? Um, what do I love to do? Uh, what am I going to enjoy doing going forward? And then, you know, put together the plans as best as possible um, to do that well, and be okay if that doesn't work out too. So, final takeaways from today. I think I just said mine. I think um, most around it takes you to have a goal that you're very interested in fulfilling in order to get that courage to move forward. And part of that is unwrapping, raveling all of the, the ego in what you're getting and the 
that might be serving a a, a portion of you, but isn't serving the whole of you. Good. I want to spend more time talking about release in the future with you guys, but I think for today, I think my takeaway is (laughs) child getting picked up for camp. Um, that don't expect to be comfortable, right? There's no like finish line in these decisions around transitions where you go, okay, (laughs) I am comfortable again. Mm -hmm. Because transitioning, whether you're picking it or it's happening to you, it's just not comfortable. And we, but what we know is that the best things are usually on the other side of, of finding that courage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you. So fun to reconnect.